Welcome to the Sports and Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? Big week in Dog Nation this week, and thanks, everybody, for hopping on with us. Before we started, we do want to mention DeMar Hamlin. Um, of course, we were all watching the game on Monday night when it happened and been continuing to follow his condition over the last few days. All of us here at Sports and Torts and Last Call are keeping him and his family in our thoughts and prayers, and we'll continue to look for uh, more positive updates coming out of Cincinnati. So with that, Lawrence, Jason, Tom, Thomas, uh, good evening. And as I said, big week for Dog Nation. We'll shake him. Go dogs. Go dogs. Happy New Year. Uh, that was the, what do they call it now, the Midnight Miracle. Uh, what a game, guys. I mean, we, we really snatched victory from the jaws of defeat there from the, our friends in Ohio. Yeah. I'm just going to open it up but with uh, it's good to be king. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the, that's the resounding theme for the year, good to be king. Uh, Tom, your son Thomas is joining us. First-time caller, long-time listener. Is that what they say? First-time listener, long-time caller. Not sure what it is, but uh, we want to get his insight. Like, let's hear what the little guys had to say. You were, you were up watching. I mean, you're, you're a dog fan. In the beginning, fan. I had kind of given up. but Not just the beginning. Not you, just you, the beginning. <laughs> through the, when we were down the entire time, it didn't seem like our, like our defensive backs could hold their wide receivers. They couldn't. Hold they them. could not yeah, right. at all. There was always. Been. So let me let me ask you this, Thomas. Do you realize how spoiled yeah. you are as a uh, what grade are you eighth. in now? Eighth. You're in eighth grade. You're about to see a second dogs national championship. Unprecedented success in the last few years. You know, you're oh, lucky. Yeah. Right? My dad's always telling me, like, um, you know how much like heartbreak I had to go through, like every year, the dogs. Sometimes just cannot pull through, and it's just. And now I realize, like, oh wow, this is really his moment. Now he's really brought it through. You were there for the Tennessee game, right? Oh yeah. Well, if, LT if, little if, well, little Thomas here is like growing up a Boston fan in in the two thousands. You know, you you know no different. Uh, I'm glad he doesn't have the battle scars. Uh, I'm glad he's just got you know the badge of honor to wear. Well, while he's here, I do want because I had I, I think I did reference your comment from that Tennessee game about how you could feel the noise in your forehead. Yes, that's what I said. I, I mean, said, um, I, you could feel the reverberations in your forehead from the noise, as like as everybody tried to prove what Tennessee said wrong that 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 stadium was not going to be allowed. You can just feel it in your head. It's going to be a different feeling when you get to college, my friend. It's a different <laughs> headache, but I like where your head's at. Good stuff, man. Well, so so big layer. We'll start with you to my left. Talk about your uh, your takeaways from the game. What were some of the impressions that you? Yeah, had? well, gosh. Well, first of all, congratulations to Big Tom over there with his call on his pick to click. Arian Smith with his first multi catch game of his career. The 76-yard TD reception to get us, uh, you know, within striking distance was awesome. Um, you know, there is a lot of talk about, you know, how our DBs got got picked on. I mean, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the best wide receiver in the game, future wide receiver or future first-rounder. Um, I think Ohio State's offensive line played a really good first half, which allowed C.J. Stroud to have time 
allow these receivers to get open. It's really, really hard to guard a future NFL wide receiver for more than seven or eight seconds. And C.J. Stroud played the game of his life. I mean, Ohio State basically played, at, I think, as good of a game as they could have played, and we still came away with a victory, 42-41. I continue to be impressed by Stet the Jet. Um, I mean, he, he guys just got stones, man. And um, the excitement that that team had after each and every big play and not getting up, that, that's what champions are made out of. Like you referenced earlier, the battle scars we have years prior – that field goal would have been 57 yards. It would have dunked off two crossbars and gone in, and we would have gone home brokenhearted. But now we have a team that has just a championship uh, attitude, championship mentality, and we go out there and we just take care of business. I, I love it. I'm not going to rehash. Larry covered, brought up a lot of good points, and, and no need to rehash it. I'll, I'll quickly say C.J. Stroud played the game of his life, and he was the best player on the field on Saturday. Marvin Harrison, fantastic. Um, you know, o- overall. Um, what I liked is again the resiliency. the The dogs probably played a, I don't know, B minus game. We could we could debate that, and you won, right? So you did what you had to do. You got out with a W, and uh, let's move on. So I appreciate that, Larry. Um, I'm very proud of Arian Smith and what he was able to do. That long long pass in the first half, and then obviously the one in the second half, I've been listening to some people who are like, oh, the DB fell down. Dude, he had that guy toasted before he fell down. That's yeah. why he fell down. He was going going past him so fast. And I had called out that DB by name on our call last – or our podcast last week, um, Lathan Ransom. That guy, if any NFL team picks him in the first – four or five rounds, he should be an undrafted free agent. He is not good. He gets burned against good good competition. Arian Smith is world-class speed. Very glad we sent him, um, and and that was such a, a turning point of the game. Uh, I, will, I won't gloat too much about that pick to click because I will say I was wrong that um, the fact that they didn't have Jackson Smith and Jigba and Travion in the game didn't didn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered if if uh, if Harrison hadn't gone down. But with Harrison going down, they they didn't have enough in that fourth quarter, uh, enough good receivers. And with Mayan Williams having a, a little case of the Brown Drizzlies, um, he was ineffective as well. So if they had Travion, they might have been a little bit better. JSN probably would have filled the, the place of of uh, Harrison in the last quarter, but they had him for three quarters, man. I mean, they could have run it up a lot more if, if he was any good. And you know what? Hard hits are part of the game. And I, I, I've listened to some people, thankfully a lot of uh, unbiased people agree that was not targeting from, tra- from Bullard. It wasn't. It was leading with the shoulder into the shoulder and incidental contact head to head. That's not targeting. That's a hit that football players are supposed to make to dislodge the ball from a receiver. And, you know, I I think the on-field officiating in that game was piss poor on both sides of the, of the ball. Uh, But the replay booth got it right, both on the targeting reversal and on Brock Bowers first down reversal. Uh, what I also think was amazing is the fact of the next man up mentality with the Georgia team this past week. Uh, Amarius Mims, with the first start of his career, probably worked himself to be a future first rounder next year. 
Um, you know, Chaz Chambliss went down. Darnell, the big zero, went down. Oscar Delp came in, played a great game. Didn't record any catches, but blocked his ass off. Uh, Jalen Walker was in there towards the end. Um, you know, really, early when your number was called, these guys stepped in and made plays when they needed to. It was awesome. And, and I just want to say, when when Brock Bowers just stood on one hand, just across the line, I was starstruck. It was just T- totally, like to- totally. I'm glad of, you brought that up because we we've been on the amount yeah, of body sorry. strength that it must take to do that with one arm and still cross the line is incredible. And I, That's Thursday yoga days. For me, Thursday yoga days for the dogs. Yeah, for, for me, that was the play of the game. I was going to say that same thing, Gans. You know, when, when Kirby uh, opened up practice for 15 minutes, yoga is what they were doing. Uh, we've been on Brock Bauer's train since day one. Obviously, he's our man. Um, and that was, you know, when you saw it in real time, we're like, shit, he's short. And then they showed the replay, and we're like, no, 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 he got it. And then they they slowed the frames down and how he got it. It's just next level. For, for me, you know, for a game that's going to go down as, what, a top three, top five, whatever, a game in Georgia history – uh, of that four hours, I enjoyed about three minutes of it. It was grueling. I did not enjoy watching the game. We're at my house. We kept changing rooms. We kept changing seats. It was absolutely brutal. Lawrence, I told you this. It felt like one of those old Georgia-Florida games where, you know, we just kept kicking ourselves in the foot, missing field goals, um, you know, letting just chunks of yards get picked up. Those, those crossing routes were just killing us. The turf monster tackles Kenny Mack. It just felt like one of those games. Um, and then, thank God, it, it turned how it did. But I'd be curious from y'all's perspective, at what point in that game did you really think, oh, crap, we're going to lose? Because unlike the Missouri game, which we all watched together, I don't think we ever really felt, oh, crap, we were going to lose. What was y'all's mentality? Gans, we'll start with you. What, what, what were you feeling watching well, the game? to answer your question directly, it was the targeting call on Javon Bullard when I said this game is over. Fortunately, they reversed that quickly. Uh, but had that gone the other way, that, that's four more points there. Bullard's out of the game. The momentum's gone. Um, I think that's the play of the game. You can make an argument that's the play of the game. You can make an argument that Brock getting that fourth down. You can make an argument that Kirby calling that timeout was the play of the game. Any of those uh, were, were uh, turning points. Uh, but the third quarter was ugly. The fourth quarter was an A+. Plus. The, the third quarter was an F-. minus. Yeah. Um, when when they were up 38, was it 38? 24. 38-31. Uh, um, or we got 38-35, right? We got some 38-35. 38-27. Ohio State had the ball and they were driving. And then Pop, Pop had that big sack. Um, and then we forced him into a field goal. Um, to make it 41 38. Had they gone and scored a touchdown there, that game, the game's over. So that that that's that that to me, that defensive stand was probably the biggest defensive stand of the game to get them to stop there. But even then, um, on Stroud's last run, that scamper for 26, 27 yards to get to the 30 yard line, you know, Ruggles is a good, a good solid kicker. Like he just made a, a 48 yarder minutes before. Is he um, though? I mean, he's pretty consistent. I don't know. Well, Ask a North Carolina fan. Yeah, so here in North Carolina, they, they were glad to see him go. I think he was 17 out of 27 in his senior year here. I mean, you know, they picked him up as a graduate transfer, and he had – this is his sixth year in, in, as a college kicker. Um, you know, the 48, I think, was either his career long or he maybe hit a 49er here, but he had never hit a 50-yarder, and I think that's what – 
made his uh, butthole pucker like the uh, the roof closing at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Well, his 50-yarder to win the game looked like some of my tee shots out here at Indian Hills and just duck hook left, so thank God for that. Larry, your um, your memory on the the score is 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 definitely wrong. It was never yeah. it was never forty one to thirty eight. It was forty one thirty five. Yep. But yeah. but that but that's fine. I I will say I was I was munsoning throughout the third quarter. Uh, this this is not going our way. You know we we we're not going to repeat. You can't you can't um, can't go undefeated in a season. Kirby was saying even in the pregame, like it's good to lose a game. Uh, before the big ones, you know, Ohio State had lost their big game, so now they were hyper focused on this one. Um, but God damn it, Stetson Bennett—he <laughs> he fucking did it again, man. Can, can we talk about Stetson Bennett for a minute? Because the fourth quarter—I know we've all gone back and rewatched that in real time. You're excited, you're jumping around, you're not paying as close attention to some of these throws and these reads. But my God, you can't throw the ball better than he did in the fourth quarter. That pass to Kearse Jackson was insane. I know Aaron Smith was wide open, but you still got to you know get it down there. Unlike with George Pickens last year, and Andy River, he couldn't get it to him. Um, and he threw a couple more. I mean, he was just – he started out hot. Then I don't know what the hell happened to him, middle of the game. And then he just has this crazy DNA where he just can just – the switch turns on. He puts out all the outside noise. And, my God, I mean – so what, here's, what more can here's you say one about of my the takeaways guy? that I haven't heard anybody say. You know, maybe it's it's a common take, but he he played great in the first half. He made mistakes. Yes, the RPO where he he kept the ball was a bad mistake, and the the interception he threw was a bad mistake. Right? They were costly, costly mistakes. But when Ohio State made mistakes, they failed upward. Right. When their when their offensive line didn't didn't contain our guys, didn't hold them, didn't tackle them, and we got pressure on CJ, he got outside the pocket and it turned into a you know backyard football play. Just get open, I'm going to throw it to you, Marvin Harrison, in the end zone, and we're going to score a touchdown. Even though it's a busted play, we failed on, on the offensive line. We failed because the, the secondary was in good coverage for seven seconds, but they couldn't hold it for ten. Like they they capitalized on their mistakes, whereas our mistakes were costly. And- well, and that's and, and to that point, Tom. I, I agree with you. Uh, first of all, they played out. CJ Stroud played absolutely out of his mind. No one had seen him play like this. The the tendencies on him where he doesn't run. He's not good when he gets out of the pocket. He had seventy yards rushing on the season. Uh, so when when a guy can break tendency and execute at an A plus level, you don't win games. But we did. Right. Yeah. That's right. Hey, hat, yeah, hat tip to CJ Stroud. He played a, he played an awesome game. You know, also guys like Jalen Carter are catching a lot of grief because he didn't really register much on the on the stat board, on the stat sheet. He had one tackle and one tip ball, I think. But if you go back and watch the tape, Ohio State, their game plan was to take him out. And like they literally took him out, knocked him down after plays, tackled him during plays, um, which allowed people like Nazir Stackhouse to have really good games. Um and even Keely Ringo got, got raked over the coals a little bit because Ohio State kept targeting him over and over and over again. But if you want to go by the, what is the PFF statistics, like he actually had a pretty effective game, much better than Kamari Lasseter and Starks. He did. I was going to say that too. He actually, you know, they targeted him, I think, 13 times or something like that. 
But yeah. he, you know, he, he gave up. I, I forget the numbers, like five for seventy-six. The Marvin like six receptions for like sixty to sixty-eight yards, something like that, to the best receiver in football. I agree with that. That com- or best receiver in college football. Um, so yeah, I think he actually had a pretty good game. But guess what? Keeley's gonna have to bring it again this weekend. Um, it, and Lasseter's gonna have to step it up. Now TCU, and I don't want to jump the gun here, but real quick, as they stack up with receivers against Ohio State, look, Quentin Johnson is not as good as Marvin Harrison, but he's pretty darn good. And then it drops off. So you're not going to have to worry about Amika or whatever and Julian Fleming. Um, and listen, no one's playing as well as CJ Stroud just played on Saturday night. I'm glad y'all brought up Ringo. I was about, about to bring that up as well because I think it's easy to call out the cornerbacks when receivers go off. Um, but as y'all mentioned, I mean, if you dive a little deeper into the stats, he actually played a really good game. Um, those guys are going to get their catches, are going to get their yards. He limited it. Um, when you got five, seven seconds to throw, like you can't cover these. Dion couldn't cover them. Um, he, yeah, yeah. So, so I want to mention the other one I want to mention, um, is Kenny Mack. I just want, I want more of him. I want more of him and the passing game. I want more of him in the running game. I feel like every time he touches the ball, something good's going to happen unless he gets tackled by the damn turf monster. So if, if Munkin's listening, I'm not questioning anything he's done. I think he's great. I would like to see. More touches. For so, um, getting back to Jalen Carter, um, you know, on the broadcast, they mentioned that he was taking himself out of the game for fatigue um, early on. You can, I think, you can actually pinpoint where he got fatigued, which was the first touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison because he totally embarrassed the guard. He, he didn't. He barely got a hand on him, and he just he's basically in a dead sprint toward Stroud. And Stroud easily evades him and then, you know, scores the touchdown with Harrison. But he was in, he was running, you know, his giant monster body for 12 yards in a sprint and that tired him out. So one thing I hope we see in this next game is that our defensive line and our guys who are pressuring Duggan don't necessarily sprint toward him. They actually break down and, you know, make an open field tackle on him. We've been so we've been so good at, at tackling all year and our tackling on CJ Stroud in this game was uncharacteristic for us. Well, well seeing him get get uh get exhausted like that, I didn't I didn't like looking I didn't like seeing that. It reminded me of Jordan Davis in the SEC title game last year, that same kind of look. I don't I mean maybe you're right. Sounds like you know sounds like you you noticed that but Certainly, these guys should be in the condition at this stage of the game to be able to. He, he's just not used to getting tackled on every single play. <laughs> lot, and maybe that's a lot it. of ham over Christmas, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I agree. Um, he did, to Larry's point. I mean, even on that CJ Stroud scramble at the end, he literally got tackled. <laughs> um, but listen, the guys, everybody's all American. Um, you know, I haven't watched the film enough to really break down his, his overall play. Um, but what I can tell you is that it, let's just say for argument's sake, he had a B game. He had a, a C game and could have two in a row. So y'all haven't thrown a bouquet to me yet for being the one lone predictor of TCU over Michigan. I did. I, I, I did. I, mean go ahead, guys, I, I was the one who said I was, I was, well, Michigan no. was going to win. I believe. As was Lawrence, no, no, as was uh, Jason. You've moved on. I win. was the only one who who was nervous about Ohio State, <laughs> and they they did put up a game. But yes, you were the lone voice who I would say 
did not base anything in evidence. It was all, I like Sunny Dykes, or I like the color purple, and I'd love to lick a frog, or something like that. It wasn't anything about football, but... The, the, the ticket would crash in Vegas, well, my friend. I mean, let's you jump into that game a little bit. Let's start off by congratulating TCU. Uh, nobody thought that they could do it. They started the season something like plus 200 to win the national championship. Uh, but again, if you break down that game a little bit, and, and I did watch it, obviously, not as intently as I watched the Dogs game. Let's look at this here. TCU scored, what, 45? No, 52 points. Uh, 14 of which came on pick sixes. So they keep saying that TCU put up 52 on Michigan. Well... Not really. Their offense didn't, right? Michigan also then decided to go, you know, uh, fumble on the one-yard line, then run some stupid trick play, right? So Michigan, I hate saying this, Michigan had every opportunity to win that game, and I would say more Michigan lost that game than TCU won that game. I'll agree with you. Not taking anything away from Josh. I agree completely with that. I was about to say, did Michigan – did TCU really win that game or did Michigan lose that game? I think Michigan had too many self-inflicted errors – uh, that cost themselves that game. I think uh, I think they are the better team, but hey, listen, that's why you got to play the game. And here, here's um, what I'll say about it. I don't. If you got more, Larry, I won't interrupt. But um, yes, I agree. However, TCU has absolutely earned their spot here here sure. in this final game. Like I, I for sure, and and I'm glad of it. For one, we were their ass whipping in this well, title game. Well, for Tom. for one, for one, we were saying yes, we'd rather face them. But I'm also glad that they don't have the surprise factor anymore, right? I mean, they they beat a good team in the finals. They're in the national championship. We're not we're not going to take them lightly, right? We can't. There's no way we will. We're not going to be like, oh, well, it's a nice story, haha. Ha, they're the frogs. We're going to bring the Big Ten to the Big Twelve, or we're going to bring the SEC to the Big. 12. No, we know that they have they have good players. They have a big physical offensive line. They have a scrappy, confident quarterback who's a winner. He does nothing but win, right? What do we have? A scrappy, confident quarterback who does nothing but win. So, like, I'm excited for this, and I'm excited for the fact that our guys are not going to be taking them lightly. I don't think they will. They're not, but everybody in the country going into last Saturday, no one was, except for Josh, no one was giving uh, TCU a chance. And if you look back at at their schedule over the season, and, and I get it, teams are different at different points in the season. Um, you know, they, they had a horseshoe up a frog's ass, right, for much of the season. Many people didn't know if they'd make it in to the playoff after that loss to K-State. We all kind of thought they would, but was there a chance that they didn't make it in? So then they go and they beat Michigan, right? And now, now they're they're world beaters and they're they're going to go toe to toe with the dogs. I don't see it. I'm happy to break it down a little bit further. Uh, I don't want to, you know, jump ahead, but uh, I think we need to look. You need to respect them, but I, I'm not there yet. I don't see uh, I don't see a, a slugfest. If we play, if we play our game, we win. I mean, and I think we win easily if we play our game. It, it shouldn't even be that 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 much of a challenge, quite frankly. Um, yeah, TCU. They're they are a scrappy team. They've played well. They've earned the spot, um, but they're not Georgia. They they don't have a roster to keep up with us. Not Ohio State. No, Ohio State would smoke well, TCU. Well, let, let, let's hop into the game, uh, Big Larry. I'll start with you, Mister Finger on the Pulse of Buttsmere. Um, the Big O going down was the big injury. 
from last week. What are we hearing about him, uh, the other guys that were nicked up? Are we being full force? So uh, hot off the presses, rumor has it Big O was at the Georgia-Auburn game tonight at, at the Stegosaurus without a boot on. Um, it was not a sprung ankle. It was a, a contusion on the top of the foot, and he apparently is going to be ready to go. Uh, probably won't be 100%, but I think we'll see the Big O suited up and out there. Um, Kirby said in his presser yesterday that he's expecting Chaz Chambliss to go as well. And uh, some of the other guys that I think got dinged up, I mean, that was a really physical game. That was a heavyweight battle. Um, I think Mikel Williams, uh, number 13, who I thought played awesome, he whipped a future first-round draft pick in Paris Johnson for a sack. Whooped his ass on that play. Um, yeah. He was cramping up towards the end of the game, so I don't think that's obviously anything that will keep him out. Um, so I think we're going to come in there. I mean, we're going to come in there with some bruises, but I think we're going to be pretty healthy. As healthy as you could be at this point in the season, you know, yeah. uh, I think I, I go and I think Lad proved it last week. If your leg is attached, you're playing. Uh, Lad, I mean, he was hobbling around out there. But listen, he made, you know, a couple of key plays, one recovering Stetson's bonehead, you know, lateral. Uh, and to the two-point conversion. So I think if Darnell can suit up, if he can get a cleat on that size 27 foot of his, he will be out there. So, Gans, you're a resident TCU expert. Um, enlighten us. Tom did a good job of kind of giving a 30,000-foot view of the team, but you watch a lot of their games. So let me start this up before at? I get into that. But I, I did something kind of interesting today when I was on the treadmill. I went and listened to our first podcast of the season. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but one comment I did make, we were talking about potentially Carson back transferring and arguing if he should or he shouldn't. I said, ah, stay and get mop-up duty because you could always transfer to, you know, the TCUs of the world. So that one kind of came back to bite me in the ass a little bit. I will say most of my predictions are pretty spot on, uh, but that one wasn't a good one. I mean, listen, TCU, uh, I think they've gotten significantly better as the season's gone on. Sonny Dykes is a, a Mike Leach disciple, right? It's an air raid-ish type offense. Uh, Duggan is uh, more of a, he's not as accurate as a Stroud, but he's more of a runner, right? He'll, he'll put his head down. He'll grind up the yards. TCU has, I believe 18 transfer players on their team this year, right? Dykes threw together a, a, a really new team. He's got Lincoln Riley's brother. I forget his first and Garrett Riley is their offensive coordinator. Right. So look, they've got they've got some knowledge there uh, on the back side. They run a three, three, five, which is a little unique. Um, Mississippi State runs a similar defense uh, that we played against this year. Another one of, of note um, was Arkansas. Arkansas runs a three, three, five also. So we had some issues with Mississippi State this year. Uh, we beat the absolute dog shit out of Arkansas last year running that 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 same uh, same defense. Um, Quentin Johnson's the best player on their team by far. He's not as good as Marvin Harrison, but who is? Uh, but but he's going to get his yards. He's going to get his catches. They love to run. And, and Ohio State did it with success against us. They run that drag route across the field, right? They'll roll Duggan to his right, and they'll run a drag route, and they'll wait for Johnson to come open. And he's just so good with yards after the catch. Um, so we've really got to play um, uh, some sound fundamental defense there. Um, it'll be interesting to what's see. The, what's the status on their running back? Hands and it, it doesn't sound good, but again, I'm going to go with if his leg's attached, he's playing. Um, so ha- haven't heard much there. They do. They've, they've got a, they've got, you know, they probably have five or six players that will get drafted um, this year. Uh, but listen, Tom mentioned their offensive line. They are big. The rest of their team is undersized. They're smaller than us and they're not as fast as us. 
Um, you know, Duggan, one other fun stat, Duggan did not start the first game of the season this year. He is a four-year starter for them, but he didn't start the first game of the season. I don't know if it was, he was dinged up. I think he actually got beat out in practice with a new coach, Sonny Dykes, coming in. Uh, he went with Chandler Morris, who is um, what's Morris, the old coach of Arkansas's son. Uh, Chad, Morris. Chad Morris. So uh, then Duggan took over and, and, and you know played phenomenal. He has less passing yards though than Stetson. For all the hype that he got, he's got you know a couple hundred more rushing yards. I think he's got four hundred fifty rushing yards or something like that. But he's got three hundred yards less passing than um, you know. You think of their prolific offense, and you know Georgia stacks up. Uh, now we don't have the receiver that that caught you know twelve hundred yards. We don't have their, their running back rusher thirteen hundred or so. So we spread that around a little bit more balanced as we like to talk about. But um, yeah, they, listen, they, they could put up some points. So uh, yeah, I I think. Top to bottom, we out talent them by far, but uh, but yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Johnston is is all world. Um, Max motherfucking Duggan, uh, and the <laughs> guy is he actually was very highly rated coming out of high school. He's a four star. He's a coach's kid playing for a coach's kid, right? Sonny Dykes is Spike Dykes's kid. Um, he had offers all over the place. We offered him. Coming out of high school, uh, you know, both of the schools in his state, Iowa and Iowa State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Tennessee, they all offered him. So, right, this guy isn't like out of nowhere. Um, we, we knew he was this, you know, big corn fred country boy out of Council Bluffs, Iowa, who, who could play ball. Um, but yeah, he did get benched at the beginning of the year. Um, so, so my take on this, so, so like you said last week, Stein, um, Sonny Dykes is a likable guy. I like him, right? For sure. Um, I, I, I'm going to liken him to your high school girlfriend's dad, right? So, <laughs> so, 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 like, you, you, want, show, you, you want, you like, Hey, this is a nice guy. Like, you know, I could hang out with him, but you know what? He's all he wants to do is to keep you from scoring. all right all right so right now he's our enemy okay like a nice guy but he's our enemy we we want to score he wants to keep us from scoring all right so this is the battle of the blue collar ballers right you got duggan and and stetson bennett like you know something's got to give these guys are both winners they go out there and defy the odds and and they win i i would liken duggan to uh, a guy like Steve Young, right? Uh, he's got a strong arm, but he likes to run. He's a tough runner. He doesn't like to slide. But what happened to Steve Young, right? He got he got hit in the head a few times, right? Maybe he gets hurt on one of these runs. Like these injuries happen in games like this. Maybe they do these drag routes and somebody gets their head knocked off across the middle. Like these are the things. Like yes, these these crossing patterns are our kryptonite. Right, that's what Alabama did in the SEC championship last year mm-hmm. to beat us. That's what Ohio State did Saturday night all all night long. And of course, these guys are going to try to do it. But you know what? Maybe there's a there's a strong hit shoulder to shoulder that knocks a guy out of the game. Maybe it's Quentin Johnston. You know what I'm saying? So well, you you don't you know I, I, listen. I'm I'm definitely no defensive coordinator, but you just. When, when we got really good against Ohio State, and I know you've got to be opportunistic, is is when we brought five or six, you know, and we really got after him, not getting just pressure by us. So I think opportunistically, you, you will see a little bit of blitzing there. 
Um, you can't have these plays develop. I think on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, you get these three, three, five. So what happens is the linebackers, you know, come up. What what does Georgia do? Probably better than any team, and and this will be one area that we might have an issue if we don't have Darnell. We shift better than anyone on the offensive side of the ball. So what happens is you, you move, and, and you know, you shift, you move a Brock, you know, from from tight end, you split them out, or or you bring them back in. And what happens is then the linebackers come up, right? You see where they're going. Right. And then you can, you can, sh- so they've got to basically show their hand at that point. So I think you're going to see a lot of dancing on offense, a lot of RPOs. And I think you might see Stet run the ball a good amount uh, against their defense. We're going to put up some points. Their defense is not. Yeah. Good. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think TCU did a really good job of shutting down the prolific Michigan run game and they put the ball in JJ McCarthy's hands and in turn, he made two huge mistakes with the pick sixes. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a problem running the ball against Mississippi State in that three-three-five defense. So, um, you know, that that to me is going to if we can solve that problem and, like Josh said, get Kenny Mack involved. Kendall Milton's been looking strong. Dejon played strong the other night. If we can get those guys and get some yards running the ball to open up the passing attack, yes, again, I agree. We're going to score some points on Monday. Kenny Mack needs ten touches, if not more. So, so on that, we we didn't. We didn't do our Sucker Bet of the Week segment uh, during the show last week. Instead, Lawrence did it online, which was great. But we did introduce the new segment, the Hawk Harrelson. You can put on the board, yes, pick the click, which got a lot of good traction. People really were into that. So let's do that again. I'm going to go first because I went last last time. And Mr. I'll take two picks the click, stole mine. I already already foreshadowed it. Uh, for me, it's Kenny Mack. I think he's going to be all over the place. <laughs> I'm getting the finger from Gans. I stole his, which is why I went first. So, Kenny Mack, my pick the click. Let's go uh, clockwise or kind of clockwise. So, what you it, it kind of depends on whether Big O plays or not. But I, I, I'm going to say Oscar Delp is going to have a big game. Um, he was great blocking Saturday night after O went out. And I think if if uh, if Darnell can't go, then he's got a little bit of the element of surprise, right? They're gonna okay, you know, we're only gonna need to to cover Brock Bowers. Guess what? Oscar Delp is just a slightly smaller version of Brock Bowers, uh, so he's my he's my pick to clip. Well, being and- that, how many do I get? Because you took my first one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, take well, take four. I don't I'll, care. I'll I mean, you can make your own rules anyway. I'll pick take my own one there. Uh, it's not very original, but I think it's going to be a Brock Bowers. I think you're going to see these these linebackers cheat up, and I think you're going to see a lot of balls just behind the linebackers, right? A lot of seam routes uh, uh, for Brock. Uh, I think he's going to live in the middle of the field. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'd like to also see not my pick to click. So I'm going with Brock as the official one, but I'd like to see Aaron Smith on a co route once a quarter. I mean, if not more, like every like, hey, Aaron, who who's, who's picked a click was that last week? By the way, that, that was your <laughs> listen. Ad wasn't a, Ad wasn't a bad. No, one. no, he game winning uh, touchdown. No, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, d- yep. Defense, I'll take. Uh, I'll take smile on defense. Gans, damn it, man! Yeah, you want twenty five? <laughs> he learns nothing man, from week to week. On, bro. Like literally, I Lawrence, if you want one on both sides of the ball, I'm giving you a second one. Too? I'm getting. I'm gifting you two, Lawrence. Go well, for I'm it. I'm going to go on the other side of the football. I think Smile Munden on the defensive side, I think he's going to be responsible for being a little spy on on Mr. Duggan there, and uh, I'm expecting a big game out of him. Uh, if I get to pick one on offense, uh, I'm going to go with A.D. Mitchell. All the guy does is catch touchdown passes in playoff games. 
Um, but Josh, you did reference the sucker bet of the week, which I picked uh, Tulane. I said USC at minus one and a half was a huge sucker bet. It made no sense. Uh, they covered. I'm not going to make a sucker bet yet for the national championship game, but just a couple things that I saw today uh, off Action Network is the that fighting TCU Darren Ravels. The, <laughs> the fighting Darren Ravels. Um, TCU is currently has is receiving 88 percent of the public bets. Um, on the line, which went from 13 and a half to 12 and a half. And the over of 62 and a half currently is receiving 92% of the public wager. So if I had to pick a sucker bet, I'd probably say the over is a sucker bet and probably play the under. But I just, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored on Monday. Well, let's transition to our thoughts on how the game, uh, how the outcome is. Lawrence, you've got the floor. Talk to you about how you see the game playing out. I think that uh, I think TCU can hang with us for just a little bit, and I think kind of by the end of the second quarter, early third quarter, we're going to flex our muscle on them. I'm going to go ahead and on record with a 35-24 dogs victory on Monday night to get back-to-back national championships in the city of Angels. Yeah, so I, yeah. I'm going to adjust my earlier prediction, um, which I believe was 48-20. to 20. I'm going to adjust that because I do think TC will get hyped up for the game. I think we play them in October. Uh, it's a 48 to 20 game, but I'm going to change that to 45 to 24. I think TC is going to sneak one or two on us. Uh, and it could be on a crossing route and, and just like he did against Michigan, you know, Quentin Johnson, you know, go, go 75 yards, but the, the offensive firepower is too much. We are too balanced. We called this from day one in the initial, uh, the initial discussion, uh, back in, in August. This, this team is an, an offensive identity. There's so much balance and so much firepower. Munkin's going to have a field day and, uh, an embarrassment, an of, riches, embarrassment of riches, two for 22, go dogs. Yeah, I I uh, I think as we've said, the horseshoe up the frogs cloaca. Uh, for for if anybody took high school biology, uh, yeah, uh, that, that was just I was smoking pot in the parking lot. <laughs> that has run out. I I don't think. I mean, they've had so many close games, miracle comebacks. I mean, one on one hand, you know that that could be you know, destiny, right? And maybe now Sonny Dyke's mentor, Mike Leach from up on high, you know, swings his sword from the heavens and makes something happen. Um, I would argue that maybe our Vince Dooley's hand pushed that field goal to the left at the stroke of midnight last week. Uh, you know, who's, who's better up in the heavens. Who's, who's got the better guy. Um, but no, I think, I think they, they just get outmatched. Um, I'm going dogs 42, 17. Awesome. Uh, I'm going dogs too, of course. Lawrence, my score is pretty close to yours. I'm not smart enough to adjust on the fly to make a huge change. I've got 37, 23 dogs with a slight cover. Um, I agree that TC is going to come out fired up. They'll get, they'll get a few points, but at the end of the day, I, I just like us too much in this game. As uh, what is it Wednesday night production time? All four of us now have seats locked and loaded to the game. We all have flights to the game. Um, we all have accommodations. Am I right? Yeah, everybody, everybody's good to go. Two of those three, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen confirmation on them, yeah. but I guess not in hand. But uh, I feel good about all the all the travel logistics, right? What, what's everybody's kind of uh, visions for LA? Uh, how how they're gonna be as a host? We'll kind of wrap up with. I think it's gonna be a weird trip, right? Um, 
you know, LA, the weather could be fantastic. It doesn't look to be good. It looks to be, you know, high fifties, low sixties, some rain, both Sunday, Monday, uh, three of the, well, actually all four of us are staying at the beach. We're, we're at Hermosa beach and Manhattan beach looking for sort of a, a relaxed, uh, fish tacos and ballast point for a couple of days. There's really not much going on around the stadium. If somebody hears of something great, let us know. Uh, but I think it's going to be kind of a chill business trip Monday, roll on in and, uh, Roll on out with the victory. Yeah, it's it's going to be a weird venue in terms of no tailgating's allowed on site in the SoFi parking lots. So literally everyone's going to be coming from all over Southern California, arriving probably around the same time. Getting out of there is going to be a complete shit show, and then everyone's going to retreat back to wherever they're staying, whether it's Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Hollywood, you know, downtown LA, Newport Beach, Huntington Beach, wherever. So it's going to be a very like I think dispersed crowd. Um but hey, uh, it beats nine degrees in Indianapolis, and it beats an ice storm in Atlanta. Goddamn right! Uh, to be out in, in uh, you know, even if it's a little bit rainy, Southern California, I'll take it. Agreed, no doubt. I think um, <laughs> in India, Indianapolis last year, I was like, you know what, this this could be L.A. and SoFi Stadium. You know, <laughs> of course, this is what Georgia gets for their national championship. But hey, hey. We're back in it, and we're we're uh, we're going to SoCal, and I can't be happier. You guys, uh, anybody booking Houston for next year yet? <laughs> Let's go one at a time, my man. Uh, you know, Lawrence, I'd forgotten about that ice storm um, in Atlanta. We're waiting in line to get into that Blame game. I guess Trump. I was blocked out Blame that Trump. entire day. Yeah, it was. We have had some. And Trump, yeah, we we've had some just crappy weather for venues, and yeah, the weather's not looking great for Los Angeles. But I, for one, super excited, can't wait. Uh, Thirty seconds, go around the room, Lawrence. First, give me your your final parting words as we head towards Los Angeles to bring him another. I mean, Joe, well, first, Josh, appreciate you having us on week in and week out to talk Georgia football. It's a shitload of fun. Um, and man, I'm really, I'm just proud of this this Georgia team. I'm proud of the program that Kirby Smart has built. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, I guess it'll be come eight o'clock Pacific time on Monday. We're just, we're the bad guys. Um, I want, I want the rest of the country to hate us because we're just that good now. Um, so go dogs, see you boys out in LA and, uh, and let's bring home another trophy. It's been a fun season here on uh, last call. Um, I'm excited for the post game. Uh, we, we, we've got one in the can. For um, post game last year, that that can only be released on Josh's OnlyFans account, um, and we might record another one uh, post game this week. So, go dogs! It's good to be the king. So, you know, last week we dogged on Ryan Day quite a bit, and you know, I I I can't hate on the frogs. Like I I remember them being the upstart. Like they're not the upstart right now. I mean, they may be like a Cinderella, right? But they've been pretty good for the last two decades. Uh, Ladanian Tomlinson put them on the map in the late 90s. His nephew is a standout defensive back on the team we're about to play. Um, Gary Patterson led that team for 20 years. He had a he had a, a 13-0 season in 2010. And, you know... He also had a defensive coordinator. Well, Dick named Bump Dick is Bumpers. fantastic, no doubt. Um, you know they they were held out of the playoff in 2014, I think it was, where they them and Baylor they were they were number four in the penultimate 
rankings release, but the Big 12 didn't have a championship game. And after all the other conferences held their championship games, they dropped to number six. So they were out of it. Like, I don't want them to be the team of destiny, right? I want, I want that story to be eclipsed by what I saw somebody post on Twitter. The, the Stetson Bennett story is no longer a Disney movie. It's a Netflix limited series, right? There's just too much. There's too much, too much content. Like it has to be him. So, you know, they, they have, they have had their, they're knocking on the door. They TCU has been like pushed to the, the kids table a lot of times, right? They, they, they played that, that uh, Fiesta bowl against Boise where Boise ran the whatever statue of Liberty and, you know, annexation of Puerto that Rico. Oklahoma. Well, no, there was one, there was one against Boise where the Boise guy. I thought that was Boise versus Oklahoma. That was Boise, yeah, well, Oklahoma. TCU Fiesta played bowl. them and then, and anyway, they won the Rose bowl, <laughs> whatever. TCU has been like, they've been, they've been on Wisconsin. the periphery and they've been, you know, relegated to the kids' table a number of times. They finally made it to the dance. I'm ready to tell them you are not allowed at the parents' table. Go back to the kids' table. So, so, so Tom, for a smart guy who's really good at math, as I recall, <laughs> you're not good at counting 30 seconds. <laughs> Well, he's, I, I, he's, I, he's a I, lawyer. I, by that I told, oh, I told you up. before this, I've got, I've got about 10 minutes of, uh, of TCU trivia. I would love to throw at you, but I, I'm not going to. Hey, you've got an iPhone. You've got a, an internet connection. Do whatever you want, man. Send it our way. Uh, no, all seriousness, guys. Thank you all for, uh, for doing this every week. Uh, I enjoy it very much. So I go back and listen to all these episodes and, I mean, I might be biased. I think they're really damn good. Um, and I hope that all of y'all that are listening out there are enjoying them as well. These guys put a lot of time into doing research to come up with some, some stuff they share. So thank y'all for that. We have one more ahead. It's going to be a celebratory, uh, as, as, as Gan said, it might be done right after the national championship. We'll just have to see how that comes out. But, um, guys, see everybody in Los Angeles. If you're there, hit us up. Um, shoot us a note. We will, we will catch up, have some tacos and ballast point, uh, and cheer the dogs. So, as always, keep shopping. Go dogs. Go dogs.